0: Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank that brings you market views and insights on the go. Hello everyone, my name is Zhong and welcome to True Noise Podcast. Today, the CIO office will be releasing our first monthly outlook report for the year, titled The Income Windows Reopens. And of course, we'll need to discuss about some of the key takeaways in this report. To do that, I'm delighted to have a regular on the podcast, Manpreet Gale, our Chief Investment Officer for Africa, Middle East, and Europe. Hi, Manpreet. Some of the equity market's optimism over economic growth from the start of the year appears to be fading, but you argue this has reopened the window for income assets. Can you tell us a little bit more?
1: Hi, John. Uh. Yes, that's right. Um, I I think the context here is that since we published our 2023 outlook in December, uh, risky assets and equity markets in particular have done quite well as markets factored in positive surprises to global growth. But when it comes to the US and Europe, I must admit, we never really agreed with the market's optimism, given hawkish central banks remained a threat uh, to growth. Now, in the US, economic growth, especially in the services sector, remained surprisingly strong, given the extent of policy tightening. However, the rise in short-term inflation expectations illustrates how relatively strong data can revive inflation and further t- tightening, Fed tightening concerns. Now, while this does reinforce a more cautious view on US and European equity markets, given the risk this poses to earnings, uh, we do believe that the rise in bond yields that also was a result of this has reopened the wind of opportunity for income investors, especially those who were not able to fully take advantage of the peak in yields in late 2022. I mean, just to give you a bit of context here, I mean, 10-year U.S. government bond yield, it's back, you know, not far away from 4%. U.S. investment grid corporate yields not far from 5%. And Asia dollar bond yields, you know, above 6%. These were the kind of numbers we were talking about, you know, around October, November last year. Um, so not too far away once again from those levels. But in terms of asset classes, though, we do retain a relative preference for high quality investment grade bonds uh, with Asia dollar bonds at the top of our preference order. Um, We do also see an attractive opportunity in diversified multi-asset income strategies, uh, which we see as a more attractive and diversified way of earning a higher yield rather than, say, a more concentrated position in high yield bonds, which tend to be riskier and could face a bit more pain ahead.
0: How about the Asian equities? Are you still optimistic on on, on this uh, sub-asset class though? I I recall in the SAFE theme, um, you argued that, that this was where there was still value.
1: Yes, um, on a six to twelve month horizon, we're still positive, and we continue to see value in Asia's Japan equities. Now, this view is driven to a large part by our preference for Chinese equities. I mean, here economic data has continued to improve. Uh, we've had stronger than expected money supply and new loan growth in January, um, and we'd also remain on watch for more pro-growth policy signals ahead of the two sessions starting on March fifth. I think it's also interesting that despite the size of the equity market gain so far. Chinese markets are only now approaching long-term average valuation levels. Um, the fact that Chinese equities have a tendency for momentum level overshoots um, also means that we do see room for this market rebound to extend. Now, the only fly in the ointment, in the short term at least, is data from fund manager surveys that illustrate the optimism on Chinese markets may have reached somewhat excessive levels. Now, this is a positioning factor um, and it means that a period of consolidation may be, um, you know, in the offing in the short term, at least for this extreme position to unwind. Uh, but given our longer term fundamental view, um, we would be quite happy to add exposure on any such pullback. The other market in Asia we, we continue to watch quite closely is Indian equities. Now, here we continue to see challenges from valuations despite superior earnings growth. I mean, just to give you some context, the market's 12-month forward PEs at it's still at a 55% percent premium to Asia, Japan, which is higher than the historical average premium for around 38%. Uh, that's why we still have a neutral view um, and instead you know, retain a focus on large cap equities and sectors that focused on domestic demand.
0: Okay, enough about equities and bonds. Let's shift gear a little. What about gold? Prices has fallen as EU and dollar has gone up. Are we approaching an entry opportunity over here?
1: We might very well be. Um, I mean, we'd, but we'd view it as an opportunity to add exposure, but moderately. Um, just for context, we do have a neutral view on gold, uh, which means a suggested allocation in the region of about 5% in diversified portfolios. Now, recall gold tends to have a negative long term relationship with US bond yields and the US dollar. Uh, that helps explain why gold has pulled back in recent weeks as both the yields and the dollar have rebounded. But we continue to like gold's diversification benefits, uh, particularly against the risk of short-term equity market volatility. Now, such volatility could be triggered by a bout of geopolitical risk, given the recent rise in tensions across several fault lines, or could be due to worries about earnings growth as U.S. economic growth slows. I'd also note that central bank purchases of gold have also jumped to the highest on record in 2022, and that's a trend we expect will at least help put a bit of a floor when it comes to pullbacks in gold prices.
0: Manpik, you, you spoke about the negative long-term relationship between the, the dollar and the gold. Um, I, I would argue that the US dollar is something we need to discuss about. So how far do you expect the current rebound to, to really extend? And, and what does that mean for some of the other major currencies and also maybe potentially some of the other major asset classes as well?
1: Yes, Joong, I, I couldn't agree more. And if you've been following me on LinkedIn, you will know that um, I've, I've written a piece about why we don't talk about the US dollar enough. It, it's quite a central variable. But when it comes to recent US dollar strength, we, we still see it as only a multi-week breather within an ongoing downtrend. Um, we've had the rebound in bond deals and the reassessment of Fed policy, likely explains why we've had a bit of a pause. But given how far bond deals have already rebounded, uh, we continue to expect the U.S. dollar to weaken from today's levels um, on a 12-month horizon, and even you know coming back on a three-month horizon as well uh, after a bit of a bounce in the interim. For in the, in the FX markets, um, euros one place I'd look for net impact. Um, a, a, you know, a resumption of the downtrend means that we expect um, recent euro weakness to be temporary, um, especially if the ECB also remains hawkish. And that means on a three-month horizon, we believe a return to about 1.08 to 1.09 levels for euro dollars likely. But it's the Japanese yen, though, that's been more in focus, given the speculation over the longevity of the Bank of Japan's yield curve control policy. Now, as we noted, you know, a couple of podcasts ago, we do believe an eventual modification of the yield curve control policy is probable, given the difficulties in continuing to source bonds to implement the policy. But any change may be delayed um, at least until the April uh, BOJ meeting after the current governor retires. While this means dollar yen may be relatively range bound, you know, between we believe 128 to 132 in the coming months, but long term, it should be a key beneficiary of a weaker dollar. The last point I'd make is that when you look beyond FX markets, um, our, our view of, you know, dollar strength to be temporary is most interesting for emerging market assets because we have the historical relationship that a weaker dollar generally correlates to stronger flows into emerging market assets. So that's the one area we'd look and, of course, is supportive for our positive view on Asia-Japan equities and Asian dollar bonds.
0: Well, thanks Manfred for this wonderful insights. So to recap, right, there are four key messages from today's discussion. First, the window for income assets has reopened, so that's something investors should look to take advantage of. Second, Asian equity still offers value. The positioning may be a little bit stretched. Third, gold remains a good diversifier, especially as geopolitical risk comes back to the forefront. Fourth, dollar gains could extend for a few more weeks, are likely to prove temporarily. Don't forget to check out our reports if you need more details on discussion. That's all for now. Thank you so much for joining us today. Have a wonderful weekend ahead. Thank you for listening to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank. For more details on the latest market insights,
1: subscribe to Standard Chartered Money Insights.